The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual guests. What is going on, my Ghost Squad? Welcome to the Armed Citizen Podcast Live. This is episode number 321. We are live on YouTube, streaming to over 150 countries worldwide. If you're here in the live chat, go ahead and say something. We don't know that you're out there if you do. For those that are watching this, the replay, but most of you listening to this in podcast form, the, the conversation does not have to end right now. Go ahead and utilize that comment section below. Let us know what your thoughts. Tell us how crappy we are all that stuff we would love to hear you on their podcast and and uh give us a nice rating and a follow and all of that share all that stuff but honestly we really like to invite you to the live show which is we're recording live right now this is where all the fun interaction with the audience is especially when we bring on guests like we have tonight it's a great way to interact with those guests right here and live uh needless to say if you'd like to text into the show yes you can text into the show Utilize the Ghost Tactical Hotline presented by our good friends Ron Shelley Gates at Aegis Gun Care. That phone number is 530-364-4678. And go check out AegisGunCare.com. If you're a veteran, really anybody, but especially if you're a veteran and you're in that hole, you're in the darkness and you're looking for that light, call me, text me, email me 24-7. I cannot give you medical advice, but I could probably be a pretty decent ear, maybe talk you through some stuff. More importantly, I can just listen if, if that's what you need. If you are looking to get some medical attention, remember two things. One, you are not alone in this fight. You have a lot of brothers out here that are willing and able to help you in, in any way possible. And two, the world is a much better place with you in it. So please, utilize the Veteran Crisis Hotline, 1-800-273-8255. Once again, 1-800-273-8255, the Veteran Crisis Hotline. Now, you guys know that in the last month or so, I have not been touting the Veteran Crisis Hotline um, for a specific reason that um, a friend tried to reach out to them that was having a dark day and called them twice within an eight-hour period and they didn't answer, and they never returned his call. So in a situation where uh, most of you guys don't understand that what it takes, what kind of a mindset it takes for someone to break down and call that crisis hotline and then to have no one answer or call them back really pissed me off, let's be honest. Uh, so I haven't been touting that. I did have a conversation with someone with them, and um, we'll just say that they're, they're, they're going through um, how do I put this? Some employment problems, uh, getting volunteers to answer the phone and all of that. So if you're interested, I know that they're looking. So if you're interested in helping some people out there and want to answer some phones and all that, then uh, God knows that they'll, they'll need all the help they can get. Anyways, I digress. Um, we are spotlighting, as always, United States Marine Corps. If you have any questions on what it takes to earn the title in the United States Marine 
see the website marines.com. And as always, we're a proud member of the Self-Defense Radio Network. Go check out all of your favorite pro-gun, pro-toy podcasts over at selfdefenseradio.net. Let's get this off and bring in our guest. Uh, you guys know that know me, know that um, Marines are special breeds, and we like to tell people that. Um, we, we're special for many, many reasons. That said, we do like to talk shit about other people um other branches but everything everyone also understands that we can and they can but if you didn't take the oath and you probably shouldn't just saying uh the only way to get all four armed forces against you really quickly is to talk shit if you never raise the right hand that said one person or one type of person that you will never to my knowledge um especially if you worked with them um, that you will never hear a Marine talk shit about our corpsmen. And I've made that abundantly clear throughout the years. Guys that have listened to the Jarhead podcast and all that know that corpsmen have a special place in, in, in Marines' hearts, my heart, uh, and all that. We are fortunate enough to be joined by Nathan Mitchell, who is not only a, a corpsman, a former corpsman, but he's also the owner of Mitchell Defense. And we will talk a little bit about uh, his rifles and his and his and his guns here in a second. But I want to bring Nathan in real quick and uh, and um, yeah, Kyle out there. He's with Anderson, a good friend of Anderson Manufacturing. He's a Marine. He says, "Don't mess with Doc. You know, you don't mess with Doc." Uh, so, uh, what's up, Doc? How are you? <laughs> I'm good. That's a, that's a great intro. I uh... no, I'm a, I'm a good hype man. I, I am for sale. If you need me a shot, I can come hype you up at the booth. You know. Yeah, stand out in front, just bring people in. It'd be fun. <laughs> well, people might run, but yeah, we'll, we'll try. We'll try. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, uh, whenever you start bringing up the Corman stuff, though, at SHOT Show, people start asking you medical questions. And it's like, look, man. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm on the opposite yeah. end of this. <laughs> you know, it, it's so funny that, I mean, so we'll, we'll get into all the good stuff and all that. Um, did you ever think about doing a business when you start thinking about business did like medical gear like trauma kits and and ifax and all that did that ever cross your mind or when you got out of the navy you're like i'm done with that shit like i want to get as far away from that as i can no so it, it definitely was a thought uh, i think more closer to like becoming like a pa um actually going and like continuing to do medicine yeah um that kind of i mean i got accepted into pa school all that fun stuff um but then you start thinking about it it's probably going to be working nights at a level like a level one trauma center or something um and you're going to be dealing with like a bunch of like 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 runny noses and like i i want, I want trauma like i want to deal with like hardcore trauma like i want gunshots say if they're not going to die i don't want to see them yeah yeah and that's like and that's what i that's what i enjoyed about medicine um i just think the civilian side it wasn't really going to work but then like medical gear side of it um i mean we've had i've had many of conversations with a lot of the guys being like hey let's create a new bag or like some kind of like a med kit. And it's like, in the conversation always happens. It's like, okay, well, like do people actually really know how to use it? Like, are, are we going to like put together a med kit and a med package that's going to get that we done? would use and understand what every little components used for and all that. That's mm -hmm. a good time. You know, if, if you know, there are some people that just aren't comfortable carrying a gun on a daily basis, I get that. I wish they would, but I also understand. I've also said that if you're not comfortable in taking that shot that I wish you don't carry because you can yeah. be more dangerous. That said, there are ways to be part of that scenario and, and going to take a stop the bleed, um, you know, 
yes, go take your basic first aid course. Go take your CPR. But taking a trauma class, uh, uh, stop the bleed, how to use a tourniquet, how to use gauze, how to use bandages, how to use an Israeli bandage. I mean, all these different things that can help. You know, we talk about we carry guns because, you know, when seconds count, the police are minutes away. That's the same thing with EMTs. You know, when second count, the ambulance is a few minutes away. So there always needs to be someone with medical training. Um, real quick before we go, mandatory carry out there. We do want to thank you. Um, he said uh, $5 super chat. Not actually going to be Langley. Let's blame Squatch anyways. I'm here to keep fighting. Appreciate you. Um, so you guys know that we don't ask, nor do we encourage super chats. But um, especially this time of year, we do want to say this. Uh, everyone knows that watches this live that all of the money raised through Super Chat goes to pay for care packages that we'll uh, send downrange to our, our guys and gals downrange right now. Um, and Nathan, I'm sure that you understand this. We've both been overseas for holidays and all that. And, and when I want to say that it sucks. Is it? They make it as fun as they can. You can actually have a pretty good time. Uh, overseas during Christmas and all that, but you're not with, with your, your family. family and all of that. Uh, you're with your other family, and so I, I, I people say, "Oh, it must suck." And, and actually, it's pretty fun. They, they they do everything they can to take care of us. You actually probably have more fun than if you were with your actual family. Let's be honest. Um, but do you have any like crazy, weird like Thanksgiving or Christmas stories when you were maybe overseas somewhere that you want to talk about? We should say, yeah. No, I mean the only time I think I was even overseas <laughs> during the holidays is whenever I was in Japan. Actually, um, yeah, where are you at? Uh, Yokosuka. Okay, yeah, that was over in Okinawa. Yeah, I I think they I, I got back from Yokosuka and then they were asking if I wanted to go to Oki and I was like, absolutely not. I, I, it's I, I I will go anywhere else but there. But I kind of wish I would have yeah. gone back. I kind of enjoyed it. Like now that I, I'm older and I look back at it, but. Uh, yeah. no holidays, but you're talking about like the care packages and stuff. We used to get those all the time on the ships. Um, it's pretty nice, man. It is, but it was really funny. Cause like you put the box out, like, and everyone would kind of like dive into it. <laughs> Just rate like, it. Yeah. Everyone had their thing that they got. Mine was, oh, yeah. like this little bitty short. Oh yeah. They'd always come with two. And like, that was the one thing I had to get every single package. Yeah, so I'm a, and you, you'll probably, you'll, you'll understand why when I say this and a lot of guys, uh were back in the day um but I, I i'm still but back then i was a big gummy bear guy for multiple reasons um but they're real easy to take with you when you go outside the wire and they don't smell and they don't attract animals or anything when you're outside um so i was always looking for that and it's so funny that people don't know how serious it is what's the first thing that always goes if they're there they're the first thing always goes are socks. I don't know why, but if they're in the box, they were always the first things because you, you guys always told us and everyone above us, change your socks, change your socks. Don't, if you don't shower, you don't, you know, you're gone wherever, change socks. And, and it was almost religiously, you guys, hey, make sure you take your socks. And Kyle says, you know, Take your Motrin, take your Motrin, drink water, eat your, you know, change your socks. And that was just over and over and over and over ingrained in our heads. So when boxes showed up, if there, if there was a pair of socks, they were the first things gone. Oh, yeah. Change your socks and drink some water. That's uh, Drink some water and, and Motrin. Uh, or back, back in my day, it was Tylenol. That's before they kind of said that Tylenol was bad for you, I guess. I don't know. 
Um, Notrin starts sponsoring the government. I don't know. The, it could be. I, it's even like today. I remember like sitting in classes and stuff, and, like being tired and being like, "Let's well, just drink some water." And then you drink water, and somehow you'd wake up. Like I was just like, "How does this work?" There's there's nothing in this that's supposed to keep you awake. Like nothing at all. No. But it works. You know, it, it works. I, I always have my water on me. Yep. Um, before we go into the Mitchell defense and all that, um, I kind of want to give you a second because I think people might be interested in the in the Corman life. And if you guys don't know what a Corman is, they're Navy medics that are basically attached to Marine units. And they're, they're us. They, 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 they train with us. They carry the rifle. They deploy with us. Like, they're with us. Do they do their own schooling? They have their own commands sometimes. Yeah, but when we I go, know. like, they're here. They're, like, they're us. They, you know, they are de facto Marines. And that's why you'll never, ever hear a, a Marine talk smack about a corpsman because they are us. Um, when you join the Navy... Did you want to be a corpsman, or, or or what did you go into the Navy as before you went to uh, the school? This is probably the first time I'm ever actually talking about my military uh, background. If you don't want to, we don't no. have to. A lot of, no, no. A lot of my so, channel are, are, are military people, so they, they yeah, like no. that. So. So, I actually, so I joined the Navy. Um, so Red Lone Survivor wanted to be a Navy SEAL. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> have you met Have you let, met Marcus yet? No, I haven't. Oh. I do. Okay. We, we're connected in a lot of the same like worlds, yeah. but we haven't we haven't met yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a Navy SEAL. So I actually went to Buds. That was my first uh, first thing I did whenever I left and went to Buds. Um, now, did you have a contract to go to straight to Buds? Yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. Nice. Yeah. So that's that was whenever they had the. Uh, I mean, I think they still have it. The I can't remember what it was called. There's like pre Buds. I, I don't remember what it was called. Yeah, um, but like they like had a bunch of like I mean trainers. I mean our our, our swim coach is a uh, bronze uh, or silver Olympic medal like swimmer, and yeah, I mean like and our our running coach was like a, a sub two hour marathon girl. I mean like and our weightlifting coach was like I think they got him from like Ohio uh, State or something. I can't remember where he came from. Um, so we had like I mean just top of the line instructors and, uh, and trying to get us in shape, and they, they're trying to weed yeah. out the of people like failing out from injuries. And that was like their main goal. Um, Cause I mean, a lot of good guys wash out from injuries at buds. That's, um, that's, that's, that's what I hear from a lot of my friends that are team guys that um, there's a lot of people that they know would have made good seals. Had they not gotten washed out because of injuries. And it was one of those things. Yeah. They can set you up and, and, and freeze you until the next class comes through. But there's some of these guys that just have injuries that, they're just probably not able to continue on. And, and even though they have the right, have the, mind, the right mentality, they're just something happened where they just, they washed out because they got hurt. And that's just, that's the way it goes sometimes. Yeah. No, and recon was the same way. Whenever I yep. went through that pipeline, uh, I mean, we were losing guys. Like we lost a lot of guys to the injuries. Um, but yeah, so I went to buds. Um, so ended up getting rolled and I, I dropped in the uh, beginning of first phase. Um, I was like 19 years old and like, yeah. I just had no experience in the world and I, it, I was and it all hits you right at once. <laughs> so I, the, and it was like, the funny thing about that was like, it wasn't the physical that hurt me. It wasn't the, I mean, it, it was the, um, I, we were on a swim. It was, I don't know if you guys have ever been like uh, San Diego, like in the Bay, uh, you're like swimming yep. down oh, the yeah. beach 
Um, oh, yeah. Swimming. Against- I actually got I just got married in Coronado Island. So okay, yeah, yeah you're very yeah. familiar with that area. I am, unfortunately. Yeah, yes, we had a the, the swim that we were in that I quit on. Like we were um, like going against the current, and my mm-hmm. swim partner wasn't putting out. And like I'm not like blaming it on him. It was no, and, I get. It. And so we we made the turn. I mean, it, this is like a two hour swim that like we were two hours at the turnaround point. Like that's how bad the current was. And then on the way back, like I there's just this weird thing that i have and i don't i, I had a recon i had it every time i've ever been in a wetsuit i cannot pee in the water in a wetsuit i, I get it no i, I get had, it i had to go I to the bathroom either. so bad and i was sitting there like sitting there like looking at it trying to head backwards um and then i, I just remember sitting there thinking there's all these rumors that you get two weeks to leave if what if you quit like all these things and i was like oh, i just want to get back to like back hometown my ex-girlfriend's back in town like if I could get some like two weeks of leave right now, this would be great. And I just I, I just quit. It was like one of those moments you're like, ooh, what did I just do? But so let me ask you this. Um how hard is it to ring the bell? Like, is that mentally, is that one of those things that you're you're fighting yourself all the way until you ring the bell, or is it you knew I was done? Hey, you do. It's it was like a very like, pride thing. Moment. It's kind of a pride thing, I guess. I don't even know if it's a pride thing. I think usually you're like in shock at that point. Um, yes. And in that point, and you're, I mean, you're pretty tired too. But I mean, I, I I think I went up to like ring the bell. Like you're supposed to like ring it three times. And I think I was just like, you know, I, I think I rang it like ding, 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 ding. <laughs> like, like the hell with this, this, man. Yeah, I'm not ringing this the right way. Yeah. I, yeah. I, but yeah. So like after you get done with that, you head off to uh, what is the the Navy base, it's like North North Base or something like that, North Shore or something. North, uh, is it North North Point? Um, something like that. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. The yeah. Navy base on Coronado. Yeah, uh, like the main base. Yeah. Um, so you head over there, and like, you're on like hold for a little while while you like class up to do like for your jobs. Um, and I think like eighty percent of the guys who dropped from my class um, all went undesignated. Um, Ooh. Yeah. You know. That's like one of those like I at the moment yeah I mean it's a it's probably the the right reaction I couldn't tell you the life lessons that I learned from that that have like folded over into that probably like, yeah I, ne- I never thought of that but yeah for for you guys that don't understand is if you go into any of the branch um, whether it's undesignated or open contract what we call it in the Marine Corps basically uh, you're at the mercy of whatever branch that you're entering and they'll kind of tell you. Uh, what you're going to do. And um, so I, I tell people, un- unless you just have a, a weird sadistic sense of humor, make sure that you get what you want to get in your contract, and which, which you did. You got buds in your contract. Um, but There's going open, open designated, open contract, um, you don't know what you're going to do until you until they tell you where you're going to go. So uh, that's interesting. It. it was, I mean, I was on desk for two years. Um, really? Oh yeah. I and they, they kept trying to push me into like really bad jobs that I didn't want to do, like mm-hmm. like the, the ones like them. They're like, oh, you need to be able to be a cook. I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to be no. a cook. Like I, there there is a, a place for people that can do that. That was just not who I was. Yeah. Um. No. So I actually um, going undes was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. Um. Mm. Because one, I mean, I was like a scared kid. I mean, I was 19, yeah. literally zero life experience. So I was when I went to the Marine Corps, 19 years old, and grew up in suburbia Dallas with no idea that what yeah. life was like. You know, the world was actually a terrible place. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that's like, so I went to, that was my first duty station was in Yakuza, Japan. And yeah. so like going from like never like leaving the country to like living in Japan, but like being undead, like you get like the textbook Navy experience. I mean, you drive the ship, which is like, like why they let me drive the ship. I just don't understand. I was very good at it, but like, you know, um, and then we also got to paint the ship. Like that was like our corrosion control. Like you learn a lot. I mean, it, it, especially yeah. like being translated over to the firearm space, like, Con- corrosion control is like a real thing in firearms 100%. and like coatings and the way you apply things. But yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so that was, that was cool. And like I, the ship that I was on was the USS Blue Ridge. Um, and if anyone's ever heard of the USS Blue Ridge, mm-hmm. it is the dream duty station. If you ever have a chance and you're in the Navy, go to the Blue Ridge. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the Admiral's cruise ship. Um, we literally went from port to port. We, uh, I mean, it's an old ship. I mean, the thing was falling apart. I mean, it was supposed to be decommissioned in like early 2000 and they like extended it by, uh, like 20 years. So, oh, wow. The, the boat's old. There's no other ship that's like it in the, in the, uh, U.S. Navy. Um, but yes, yeah, so, I mean, we would, our underways would be like two days to like the Philippines and then we'd have another two days underway to cambodia i mean it was like over to korea I, mean, was, I think i think i went to like 12 different countries over there including australia yeah um so i had a blast thoroughly enjoyed it had a lot of growing up which is great yeah i was on uh we came back from somewhere and um flew into uh korea we're there for a few days and then we we caught a boat from Korea back over to Okinawa a couple days on the USS Bella Wood. And I had never been on a boat, uh, on a naval vessel before. Been boats all the time growing up, but not on a ship. And I thought, well, this is a big, you know, in my eyes, it was huge. Now, in the grand scheme of things, that LST is, is not a very big boat. But I'm like, okay, this is going to be fun. You know, my experience and all that. And I'm once again, I'm 19 at this time. Um, needless to say, those those few days were of the worst of my life. Uh, luckily, as you guys know, when we're catching a ride, we really have no responsibilities. We might have to pick up maybe some security fire watch or something, but there's really no responsibilities that, that we hold on that boat because we're just catching a ride. Yeah. And I was sicker. I would. I, I've never been more sick than I was um, on that boat, and seasickness is a thing, and there is nothing you can do about it. And it, the great thing is, is half of our platoon got pretty sick, and they're mostly younger guys had never been on a ship before, um, so we didn't know to take. There was this thing that you could take that was a Dramamine or whatever. We didn't understand that there was this thing that you could take. And and, and the older enlisted guys and the officers were not going to tell us about this. Um, so they just let us go. And it, it was it was bad. It was bad. It, it was so bad that even like the, the squid, the Navy guys, we call them the squids. I'm Not you. I'll never call you a squid. But we call the Navy guys. Even the squids were just like laughing at us. And that's the, probably the most demoralizing thing in the world is you got these Navy guys just laughing at us. And we're just like, yeah, that was the worst experience. And it's only a few days, you know, it's not, it's not, it's a two week trip. It's just, but it felt like a month. It was the worst experience I've ever had in my life. And uh, oh, yeah. so it like, was bad. 
I, the first time I ever got seasick and there was our first like underway, like, it, I think we we're like in the South China Sea or something. And it gets pretty rough out there and huge yeah. waves, which is like really cool to see. And like driving the ship in those massive waves. So fun. So, uh, so you see like these big tankers and all that go through these huge waves. Obviously it's not fun, but is it like an adrenaline rush? It's not like it. Like, so What's unique about being on a Navy ship, like what you're talking about, is like it, if you're on a boat and you're seasick, they tell you like to get up top, get fresh air. You can't do that on a Navy boat. There's yeah. no windows. There's nowhere to look out. Like you're in this tin can that's moving. Um, but what was so? You know, cool by the way, you're stacked up like four high in your bunk beds. So it's oh, like, yeah. and you're you're there. Are four other people that are just having the same sickness. It was just it was bad. It was bad. Oh yeah, no, I and mean, people are just puking everywhere. I mean, it, everywhere. That was kind of like a, we when the waves would get rough, we just kind of shut down, especially in that first underway. Yeah, uh, every all the new guys would get sick, and you're like having to take care of them. And like when I later when I was working on med medical on the ship, they uh, I mean yeah. that was always like the go time. It was so fun because like it, you get so used to it, and then like having to carry people up on stretchers, and like you're throwing IVs in when the ship's moving. It was a uh, it was kind of it was close about as close to trauma as you could get, I guess, <laughs> on a ship. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah. sure, sure. Um, but yeah, no. So and then driving the ship, there was kind of like an adrenaline rush because like you really had to pay attention to the waves and stuff. Um, and it was like you'd hit like those, those waves, and then like your front end, like you'd hit one and you'd feel it. You know, when that like that nose is about to dive into it, and then all of a sudden you see that water just shoot up and hit the uh, hit <laughs> yeah. the bridge, and you're just like, this is so cool. So, like, when you say, like, you drove the boat, like, you were literally, like... Oh, yeah, I was the helm. Like, I mean, and we still had really? an old brass wheel. I mean, and it really? was like, That's kind of cool. Throwing it left, throwing it right, and, like, holding it on to... Uh, yeah, we had a lot of fun. That's yeah. interesting. So, you go open, uh, undesignated, I always call it open contract, but undesignated. Um, you, you go and drive the boat for a little bit. Um, how did... When I say med school, it's not medical school, be a doctor like in the civilian world, but we called it med school for you guys. I don't know what you guys called it. Core school. Um, core school. Okay. So how did that come about? And like, what took you down that road to say, you know what, like a corpsman might be one of those things that I want to do. And how, how did that decision happen? So or was it made for you almost? I don't know. Yeah, so they were trying to force us into like bad jobs. And I was kind of holding out for one that I actually wanted to come open. Um, and I, I was really good friends with the corpsmen that were on the ship. Um, and I'd spend some time up there and hang out with those guys. Um, and then the Marines would come on board and we get their docs to come up. Um, and it was always cool, like talking to those guys. So whenever like it, it's HM is like the rating, um, whenever that okay. opened up, I took that. Um, and I was always trying to find a way to get back into like, and I, and I think, I can't remember if I knew about the recon pipeline mm -hmm. before that or not, but um, so whenever that job opened up, um, I, you, you just like, you put in your package for it. Um, and so I put in the package for it. And then as soon as it got accepted, I got, um, get to go OJT at the at medical. And so I think I did, I was OJT at medical for like seven or eight months, which like, that was, that was just fun. Um, I got to do like a Corman job without having to go to core school. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's interesting when, so in the Navy, are corpsmen looked at differently from the other sailors? Like when you're on it, when you're on ship or whatever, I mean, is, is there, is there a weirdness or y'all, how are they, how are y'all perceived from the regular Navy guys? Cause you're not with the fleet much, are you? 
uh, for like Corman. Yeah. So I mean, there's always Corman that are attached to a ship. Um, not all Corman are with the Marines. Okay. Uh, but I think it, I think I like heard a statistics. It's like it, it's like sixty or it's, it's a vast majority of Corman aren't on boats. Um, but like when you're on a ship, the way you're viewed, uh, there's really two jobs on a ship that are the most important jobs on a ship as far as like personnel. Uh, well, three. There's personnel department who makes your pay, which they're pretty important. That's people. very important. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. There's the, the culinary specialists, which are the cooks. Um, yep. And that's because you can get extra food from those guys. So you trade favors and then medical, which you can get um, you, you trade favors at medical. You, I mean, medical can get you out of so many things. Yeah. Um, and so and those are like the two. So everyone loved like the docs at medical. I mean, they're the guys who are like doing your shot records. They're, they're taking care of you. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> we also had some crazy, crazy stories that happened out of that. Oh, I can imagine. I we would always go. So where our office was, our, our our shop, we had a big warehouse. We had all our gear and all that stuff. Big building. In our building was um, where uh, the sick bay was, and where the corn would hang out and all of that. Uh, with the, the, the docs and medical staff. And, um, you know, usually on Thursday afternoons, we would always try to go over to there and see if we could, you know, get something to say that we, we didn't have to go to work on Friday so that we'd have, you know, uh, a three-day weekend. And obviously that wasn't the first time that they had heard all that stuff. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're fine. Go take some, go take some Tylenol. You'll be fine. I'm like, oh, come on, man. He's like, yeah, no, uh, I mean, I really don't want to go do this hump. You know, uh, you're not getting light duty for that. You know, just come on, you know, just, just do your thing. So they were always, everyone was always trying to get over in the docks, but we also knew that they had, they had us, uh, they had everything that, that we needed. They, they, they had that as a priority. So, uh, yeah, like I said, you'll never hear many people talking about, about the docks, but, um, Hey, there's some, there's um, some bad docks out there. You know, I, I never ran into any, so um, I'm, I'm sure. Obviously, there's bad everything, right? Oh, for sure. But I never yeah. had I never had a bad experience. Um, I had knee surgeries. I had I had some injuries, um, different things, and always like my daughter was born at the Naval Hospital at Camp Pendleton out in Santa in California. Yeah. Uh, by the way, it cost me like eight dollars to have my daughter. It was great back in the nineties, you know. Um, Good times, but. You know, I've never, we had, there was a big naval base down in Okinawa that we had to go get before we went somewhere. We had to go get checked out. And uh, I'm sure that you probably had to go through the, the long line of the old air gun needle shots, or whatever, like 27 different things when you're going somewhere. Car wash shots. Like, um, I, and it's so funny because, you know, I got out in 98 and knock on wood, but like I've never really been sick since some of the places that we went, we had to take like 27 different shots to some places we went. Oh yeah. I don't know what you guys or what, what's what are in those shots, but I, technically I've really never really been sick since I got out. So thank you for and whatever. You they probably gave didn't me. know that most of those are experimental. So, <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh, I'm sure they were, um, which makes a lot of sense, but you know what, like I said, for the last, you know, 25 years i haven't really been sick so uh, i'm okay i'm okay yeah uh but yeah so i digress so you you, you go to go to core school um and then like you said you hear about the recon pipeline uh 
and thought, well, that sounds fun. It's kind of going through another buds, if you will, uh, maybe a little bit different than, and all that in our own little special way that we have fun um, doing schools in the Marine Corps. How, how was that for you? Going through the recon pipeline? Yeah. Um, so it was, it was cool. Um, it, it was awesome. We, so at core school, there's like a pre screening process. Um, and there's, there's two guys that were there. Um, won't say their names, but they were just legends in the industry or in the, um, in the community. Um, they just, some of the stories that came out of that, you're just like, how, I mean, like one of the guys had, uh, still had like rounds in his foot that he like from getting shot. Like every time he'd run, his foot would go numb and you're just like, <laughs> Like, how do you complain with the guy who like whose foot is numb because he has AK rounds in his foot? Right. So um, that was always that was cool, and the, we had a good group. So they, I somehow they messed up my orders and two other guys, and we ended up going to jump school right out of core school before we even went to recon. Where'd you uh, go to jump school? Airborne over in what, Benning. Okay. Benning yeah. now. Okay. Um, and so we were like, we're some of the few guys who actually went to airborne school in blue digis. Um, oh, no kidding. Yeah. So we were running around in our steel toe boots and blue digis. How'd that go for you? <laughs> it, it was good. No one knew what to make of us. There was, I guess there'd <laughs> been a couple of EOD guys that had gone through before us. Oh, okay. So the Marines didn't know what to take of us. They're like, oh, you guys are recon guys. We're like, ah, well, we actually haven't gone to BRC yet. And they're like, why are so you here? Why? Yeah. What do you mean? You Usually, the, the normal progression is not that you know. Yeah, well, you it, have to go through. There's like, a sequence. You yeah, you have to go through your, like your, your selection course to make sure that you're going to make it into like to, to, you're worth putting forward like the money to do this. But yeah, they're not going to waste money on you, um, especially at jump school, which is. Um, well, I, I, I got plenty of stories about that, but go ahead. Yeah, airborne. I, that was the that was the funniest course I've ever gone through. That it. It was that was a that was it was a fun course. Don't get me wrong, but like it was stupidly dangerous uh, and just goofy. <laughs> it, was, it was theatrical. It was it was just funny. Um, so yeah, went through airborne, um, and we have you, to go you through spin, spin the first week or so, jumping off of benches and all sorts of fun stuff. It's yeah, interesting. Spent two weeks learning how to fall down. <laughs> fall down before you yeah. get. And then you, and then which, you, which later on, you're like, thank you for that, by the way, you know, oh, yeah. or, and then you just watch everyone hit the ground and no one actually does the PLF no. parachute no. landing fall. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, Airborne. Wow. And I, I remember, so me and my, and my buddies, we still joke about this today. He had, he, he owns a company out in the industry too, but he, whenever we like, so you're in the, the airplane, I don't remember if we we're in C-130s or not. I don't remember what we were in, but like they have two doors going out both sides. And so like you're yeah. going, like you're going and jumping out in static line. And so like you're supposed to go every other, but then I guess like the jump masters just were just throwing us out the plane. Let's go. Yeah. And so me and him jumped out the exact same time. Our shoot, we had like a hard pull oh. and it pulled both of us underneath the airplane. He drop kicked me in the air. Um, that's what I remember. Like we're in the air, like we're, like, we're under canopy, like going down and I'm like looking around like, what was that? I didn't think something. What was that? I was like, that was me. Oh, that's so good. That is so good. Yeah, we we still laugh about that, but oh uh, god, yeah, that's that was so just good. one of those. One, and I mean, you watch guys like and under canopy, like so. If you get like, I mean, everyone's just jumping out, and you can't control those can canopies. And so, like, you had like one guy get like underneath another or up on top of another, and they steal the air. And so we we would literally watch guys like parachute would collapse, and just guys 
go yeah. underneath, open back up. This guy's would collapse, and it was just like, yeah, yeah. yeah we saw a fun. guy get his biceps ripped out open because if you get your arms caught around the static lines, that was a, he was a tactical weatherman with the Air Force. A tactical weatherman? Is that what he wants you to say, or is that the actual name of it? I can't remember. It's not even it. So I don't know if you've like heard Air Force has like a new um, rating called Recon or something like that. It's like their special operations. Okay, so I'll I'll give the PJs credit. PJs are legit. Oh, for sure. So these guys, like the tactical weathermen, so their job was um, they go in before everyone else and call weather conditions for um, airstrikes. These dudes are like they're 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 bad dudes. Like they're they can okay. sneak into basically anywhere. So um, yeah, so okay. So I, they 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 can do some long range recon, I guess is what they'd oh, have to sure. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't know these guys were a thing. Yeah. There were very few of them. And that's like it was like I, I think he was the only one almost, I've ever met. almost our old Ford observers, if you will, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they and they like rolled it into something new. It's a new pipeline. I think they've only had around for like two years. Oh wow. Um, I, I've heard it's actually supposed to be really cool. Like it's supposed to be the cooler of the, the special operations right now. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Like in their, what their mission is and tasks and stuff. But um, yeah, so le- left airborne, went out to um, Camp Pendleton. Uh, mm-hmm. We have a follow on course called um, TACMAD? No. I don't know. It's like the school you actually go through. Like it's like the Marine Corps school. Like so, we go through. It's okay. Like a, okay. We, we learn the Marine Corps tactics and Marine Corps mm-hmm. all that stuff. So did you, did you get to go up to like Combat Town and all that stuff as well? We did. Okay. Yep. Yep. We did. I uh. The, so we had. We, I can't remember what it was called. It was like some. So at this point, you're not with the Marines though. You're still separated, correct? No, our instructors are all Marines, but we're still. It's all corpsmen. Okay. In this okay. Group. Okay. Um, I cannot remember what that thing was called, but yeah. So it's a what is it called? It's like the last, uh, the last evolution, like something X, um, Tac X, something like I can't remember. Whatever, it's like our last evolution. So like where we like go and do like a invade, never. It's like war games yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so we we it depends on well, it depends on the era too. Yeah. So you spend um, you spend a half the you know actually back then it was a third of the time that you spend on um if you will offense a third of the time on defense and a third of the time um observing and you get mm-hmm. to observe and, and and watch from like a bird's eye if you will um yeah it was yeah i mean you had to you had to learn how to what what team movements were uh whether you were in a fire patrolling. team a squad patrolling uh non-verbal communications you had a little bit of seer mixed in to a certain extent to where most guys have already probably been to seer before that but you had a little bit hey if you get captured you better find it that's what it was yep yeah um so um but yeah if, if you you have to learn a little bit about if you get captured what what everything is you know um and so once again this is 30 years ago for me so uh it's probably what it probably is it's probably, probably a, a lot it's probably a little bit better um back then they just wanted to know that you had heart that you wouldn't quit and that you were somewhat tough you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. uh they can teach you the rest uh, but you can't teach heart and you can't teach basically guts you know um and it's so weird because i remember i remember going through a lot of these different schools and, and, and all of that that i'm like five eight you know my wife's on five seven and a half, but I'm gonna claim five eight, you know. 
And at the time, I was probably like 145, 150, you know, all that. Uh, got down to about 125 after a couple schools, you know. Um, you know, you lose 25 pounds in some of these schools very easily. But anyways, um, and I always noticed that, like, we had some big guys. But, like, when we worked with the SEALs, like, the SEALs, for us, they always seemed like they were just big guys. I don't know if the SEALs just like the 6'3", 6'4", 220-pound brutes. Um, if, if you looked at a lot of the Marine units that, that were out there, smaller, 5'10", you know, or so, ath maybe athletic faster and all of that. And I didn't understand back in the day that everyone has, like, what they're looking for. You know, obviously, there's going to be some bigger guys that are just badasses. Um, but we, I didn't really notice at the time until later on. I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense now. So, um, I don't know. It was just weird kind of going down. Sorry, we're going down the road here. Yeah. Yeah. I think, like, the average uh, operator is, like, 5'9", five, 5'10". Yeah, people think they're all like six three, six four, and and that you got to be agile. You got to be quick. And you also, you, gotta, like, you won't make it through any of the selection courses. Big, like you get big after you. Get not big. unless you are a just a freak, right? Like there's mm -hmm. a couple guys that are freaks. Um, or wrestlers. Yeah, but wrestlers. usually wrestlers aren't tall though. Maybe they're yeah. They're, that's true. They're, yeah. You know, a lot of them are smaller and just quicker and strong. But yeah. yeah. Anyways, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. So yeah, so we, uh, <clears throat> I was gonna tell you like on, at the, the Finex, the uh, you asked about like the like the town and all that stuff. We we got pulled aside because we they knew we were from the we were in the pipeline, um, and we were doing some like forward observing type stuff. Um, and we, there's so much miscommunication that happened during all that. We I ended up sleeping through the town. Uh, at that really like, they came back and they're like why did you miss the town like yelling at me i'm like what are you talking about <laughs> uh, like, all, like, all the guys were like how did you not know we were leaving like your entire like uh like group left i was like i have no idea i was out I, i'm sorry I was out I, it happens I, I, you guys left me behind but um yeah yes yeah, so we got done with that we i mean i i remember a graduation from that um in, in in intervals so like after we got done with airborne we actually checked in at marsoc um, okay. and we were on hold at marsoc so we weren't like a part of marsoc by any stretch of the imagination um and so we basically just got hazed the whole time which again was like a phenomenal experience i mean like we had Part guys who were like, yeah. yeah we had like sarks that would come in and would like take us on a 10 mile run at like an eight minute pace seven minute paces and like you're just dying you're just doing that all day which like got us super prepped um, and then they like tell us to go like train at the pool and we'd go to the pool and like try and drown each other, which helped so much whenever we got to, re to recon or BRC. So people don't understand. They, they see videos now that there's some of the videos out there, a drown proofing and all of that. And they don't realize it's, it's all about rhythm. And if you get into a good rhythm and don't freak out, but a lot of people, um, we had a guy in our platoon that was a college swimmer at Ball State, and this guy was a fish, dude, a fish. Uh, and then we had guys that could barely swim. But if you can literally keep your composure and get into a rhythm, especially in drown proofing, and you're just going up and down and up and down, uh, that's the one thing that people freak out the most at and that I saw and you have to understand, like, you might, like, 
they're not trying to kill you. Like they're not going to let you die. You know, they've got corpsmen, they've got medics, they've got medical attention there. You might black out, but they're going to get you back. Like they're 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 not trying to kill you. It, it's training, and uh, and I think that that's that's the one thing that I was always good. Whether it was at boot camp and all the way through different things, in my mind, I always told myself they're not going to kill me. Like they're not trying to kill me. So as bad as it gets, just just plug through. You know. And I think that's oh, kind yeah. of the mentality you have to have, especially when you're running 10 miles at a seven mile pace. Uh, fantastic. Yeah. I you think you're going to die the entire time. Oh, yeah. And you probably were close to it at certain points, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. And it was, it, that was at Pendleton. And we were running down the roads. I mean, I, oh, yeah. I can't, I cannot remember the areas at Pendleton, but wherever the Marsoc compound used to be, I mean, mm -hmm. you run straight up that road down. I and mean, it's just like, it was like the old tank trails. Yeah. Uh, and it just it got so hot on that road, but I man I I got I was a better runner. I I was a phenomenal do, runner. Do they until, still have you wearing the the tan short shorts? Oh yeah, UDT. I didn't know if they, I, I didn't know if I didn't know if if that still was still a thing. Oh, really, yeah. that's incredible. That's crazy. Yeah. I did not know. Yeah, I don't. You don't get your silkies until you graduate. Great day. Oh yeah. No, and so, I got a quick question before we yeah. move on because I want to. I, I do want to ask you this because this is one of the things you're talking about buds earlier, um, and, and like I said, I got some guys or team guys, friends that are team guys, and they said during buds the hardest thing in the world wasn't um, what you would think. He said it was it was it was the rash that you got and it was the most painful, like, and there was nothing you could do about it. Like there was no way to prevent it. There was no way to make it better because you were just constantly wet constantly in the sand. Um, is it as bad as people think? I mean, when you think of the rash, uh, I know it hurts, but I mean, they were saying like there, it bled and it was bad. Do you remember those days? I do. So I, I didn't have it as much at buds. Cause like I went hell week is where those guys normally get that. Yeah, um, yeah. And I, I didn't make it to hell week. And I, I mean, I saw a lot of the guys that were coming back from that and like some of it was just really bad, but like we yeah. also got it at, um, at BRC in second phase or yeah. Amphib. Um, and yeah, I mean that sand gets in everywhere. Like I, to this day, I hate going to the beach. Yep. Like, and, the yeah sand was everywhere and like the and once it started it just did not stop because then it starts to swell up then it gets even closer to it and then it's more contact points it's just it was it's miserable it was miserable i yeah. hate sand with all my heart and soul you know it's so funny when we moved from okinawa is where i did a lot of my stuff and over to pendleton um with first rig they um my now wife had moved over here and we were at Pendleton for a few couple of about three years. And I think we went to the beach like twice in three years. Uh -huh. No desire like whatsoever. Uh, the, the, I think I, I think we went three times and two of them was cause there's a place called dog beach down there, uh, South of Pendleton. And, um, Oh, was it, what was that place? Um, below carlsbad not el cajon anyways mm -hmm. they had dog beach it was a public beach that you could bring your dogs on and so we took our dog down there a couple times but we didn't go to the beach like and people's like how could you live like a mile from the beach in san diego and not go to the beach 
we we have a shore house like where we are and like <laughs> I, I i have a two-year-old he's turned two and a half and like i i like i like taking one out there with him and letting him play in the beach yeah. for like that's about it like i i'm like i don't i don't want to sit down i don't want to play in the water i just want to watch him play and then go in yeah uh, we've been talking. We can talk this for the next three hours. What we need to do is start talking about Mitchell defense. Uh, so you, you do you do the Corbin thing. You're with Marsock. You're with Recon Pipeline and all these guys. Uh, you transition into civilian world. Um, was and we talked a little earlier about some of the things you had in your mind. Did you know that you wanted to start up your own company the whole time, or or what was how how did Mitchell defense come from transitioning out of active duty so always had a passion for guns even like growing up um and my last duty station was in san antonio at, at core school um, oh, okay. and so while i was there i was able to take like, like college courses um and so mm. working on like getting like a business degree which a lot of my military experience translated over which is awesome i got my bachelor's in two years oh nice uh, which is, is wonderful. Um, great school too. Is University Incarnate Word down in San Antonio. I lived in San Antonio for a couple of years. Yeah. When I phenomenal. got out, we moved down there. Yeah. Great school. The business school out there was phenomenal. Um, the teachers were top notch. I, I learned so much from them. Um, but my family had a pipe inspection business out in West Texas. Um, so like hmm. getting out is kind of like a no brainer to go take, to go work out there. Like that's a great place to go transition, uh, work at a job, you know, you can get not as lucky as I, most people getting out of the military are not as lucky. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't even be, get nowhere to begin. Um, getting out and not having like that, that connection. Um, yeah. and I mean, you see it happen all the time. Like guys get out and they're like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm like, Ooh, man. Um, yeah. That's rough. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, so got my degree. Then I went out to West Texas. Um, and me and my brother ended up buying my dad out of that company. Um, and so me and my brother were running it. Um, and that was, that was like my first intro to like, so I had my, my business degree. And so then you got to go translate that directly into operating a business, which was awesome. And then while I was out there, I was able to work on my master's degree. Um, nice. and so while working on my master's degree, and since I still had, um, the GI bill left over and it was paying for everything, which was phenomenal. Um, but I'll be able to take like master's lessons, but that's the, that, so my master's was in energy business. Um, okay. that was the best place to get that degree. I think there's only like four schools in the whole country that have that certificate. Um, and that there West Texas would be a good place to have that school. You know? Oh yeah. I mean, 70% of the country's oil comes from West Texas. Right. Um, but right. we had access to like CEOs and CFOs of oil companies would come in and like it would teach us hedging from like guys who were like oh, wow. hedging on the daily. I mean, it was, it was a phenomenal lesson, but you, then you have to talk to like these guys that are in high levels and you start to realize that like, no one really knows what they're doing in business. We're all kind of like, there's just educated guesses. Um, that's fair. And I mean, I, I can't tell you how many meetings I set in with Chevron and Exxon. And like with these guys, you're just like, you're in charge of your, the procurements for the entire like Permian basin. And like, you've never even been on an oil rig. Like that's crazy. Oh yeah, no, it was nuts. Um, but to how that how that actually translates into the firearms business. Um, and um, so we had uh, so we had pipe inspection. So our job was to inspect pipe that was going back downhole, like down into the oil wells, mm -hmm. to see if it was able. It still had like wall thickness, like all this stuff. And so you do a lot of like it's like EMI, magnetic testing, um, 
different tests to determine it, like hydrostatic testing. Um, but we had all these giant machines that um, in in the military and military medicine, you learn like the whole body approach. Like you understand how the body actually works and that's how you know how to fix it. We don't right. just learn, put a chest still here, tourniquet here. Like you have an understanding of how the body operates so you can diagnose faster. Um, so I took that same approach to our equipment um, and it, I mean, it directly translates like, hey, we, have, we keep having failures at a certain point. Like why are we having those failures and how do we improve them where we have we can have longer uptime um and the oil field is like a proving ground for coatings and machine work i mean over the last like 20 years in the oil field um the technology has just advanced so fast as far as like longevity of machine works and and you're talking about the most like everyone talks about like the firearms like oh we have a background in aerospace it's like i the oil field is more applicable to firearms than aerospace is. Aerospace is precision machining. Uh, oil field is how do you keep something running in the dirtiest environment possible? Um, hmm. Yeah, so a lot of like a coatings and different machines. That does translate. Stuff. Yeah, that does translate. No, I, yeah, it, it directly. And there's a lot of gun stuff out in West Texas. So I started Mitchell Defense. So it was actually a master's project. Um, really? They told us to start a company. And so I had a bunch of guys who were engineers and we were like, hey, let's start a, uh, let's, let's design a new armor piercing round for the government. Uh, and so that's, that's originally, and I had the facilities and stuff um, to put all the machinery in, went SHOT Show, found all the stuff. Well, we started the company in like, it was like I think it was like February of 2019. Um, I ended up selling my part of Mitchell, or, yeah, Mitchell Pipe, um, our pipe inspection business in July. So, um, we lost the facilities, all that fun stuff. So it kind of went back to the drawing board on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. ended up opening up a restaurant in the Virgin islands. We bought a bunch of condos down in the Virgin islands. Um, I had a boat down in the Virgin islands that ended up sinking. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it, it, I kind of took off on the entrepreneurial spirit after that. Um, and the whole time I'm trying, like trying to find a spot in the firearm space. Cause that's, that's where I wanted to be. People always say like, do what you love. You'll never work a day in your life. Um, yep. I took that to heart and then realized that you do what you love and start a business and you'll work every day of your life. But, um, and so just trying to, trying to find a spot, carbon fiber barrels started coming out. Um, so we started doing, um, some of the stuff with that and it's just kind of word of mouth and, um, just trying to figure out how to make a platform that really fits into the market. Um, yeah. Uh, so right now you've got several rifles out there and pistols. Uh, you've got, uh, some long grain stuff. Um, where do you want to start with? I'll pull it up here. What was the first, what was the first rifle that you guys came out with? So it does my, I call it gen zero. Um, we don't, it's not even, I don't even, it's not even listed anymore. Um, yeah we had a lot of issues with it. Um, well, not, not a lot of issues. We had a lot of, uh, we started having issues with our machine shop partners. Uh, um, yeah. with them. And so the gen two, uh, our gen three or gen two Magpul magazines wouldn't feed into them. Um, oh, so that project all kind of got scrapped. We went straight back, right back to the drawing board. Um, and then we had our gen ones and then now we're under our gen two lower receivers. Um, I mean, we can start with the dock line. Um, if you want to go to, yeah, you can go to so, GWAT or if you scroll up, go to firearms. Um, yeah, um, click, well, no, but don't click on firearms. I know we're the website's getting redesigned. Oh, I got you. Go to the, go dock. To the dock. There we go. Yep. There we go. Oh, 
Yeah. Okay. So what we did, uh, or what I did whenever I designed these rifles is we, you have, you have precision billet lowers, precision billet uppers, um, and where that actually matters to your rifle. Um, and so we have a proprietary buffer system. Um, it's all manufacturing techniques that I learned in the, uh, oil field. Um, our bolt carrier groups are precision ground and they're also coated in a coating called armor lube, which also learned about in the oil field. Um, which most people don't realize armor lube is actually now the new mill spec coating. Um, so really? yep, as of November of 2022. Um, wow. yep. And then, then there's, have you guys ever heard of thermal fitting? Yeah. 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 So we thermal fit all of our barrels to our uppers. Um, and that's another thing that they use that a lot in the oil field. Uh, very few companies utilize it in the firearm space. I don't really know why, but there, there's a few that I have met over the last year or two uh, that are doing it or are trying to start doing it. And I guess it's a pretty extensive process. And I, I think that's maybe why a lot of people aren't doing it, but um, that's pretty cool that y'all are doing that. Yeah, it's hard to get right. And that's what like a lot of companies like try and mass produce it. Um, and you just, you start to fail with it because you can stress your metal too much. Um, yeah. Like too tight of a fit's a problem and too loose of a fit's a problem. Um, where's I going with all this? Oh, but so we, yeah, we, we figured out a perspective. I mean, we, we have a high re reject rate on our uppers, but with the, our upper receivers, like the, the, the barrel seat where it goes into, Mm -hmm. is the it, it's flat so what it does for you is your barrel is locked into your upper receiver and an extremely tight connection but then your barrel is also perfectly flat onto your upper receiver so your bolt carrier group it, and when it comes to like accuracy the um the bolt is actually giving even pressure on all parts of the bottom of the round and so you're having e even pressure pushing off so you're you're all the pressure and everything there's no pressure leakage all that fun stuff mm -hmm. um and then you guys are boast and a half MOA. That's uh, oh yeah, a pretty, so strong, the, a pretty strong boast right out of the box, man. Oh yeah, so the dock rifles, Love it. The, dock, the the sixteen inch ones. I mean, those things will for sure hit half MOA. Um, yeah. Fourteen five, which I don't think is on the website yet. Uh, that hits half MOA. Um, we advertise it as. I mean, it, most of the rifles that say sub MOA, like on their spec sheets, because most people can't shoot half MOA. Um, yeah, is this because it says half of the way, guys? Doesn't mean that you need to be sending emails to to Nathan and his guys if you exactly. if you're sitting to MOA. Uh, sometimes it's just the trigger man, you know. That's just the way oh, it yeah. is. Oh, and then in some ammo, like I mean, you you could put it in the best this rifle, true, and it's not going to shoot MOA. I mean, yeah, there's there's a lot that goes into a half MOA. Um, yeah, all that fun stuff. Um, uh, yeah. I'm looking at this real quick. The Triad as the 300 blackout. That's a pretty cool, interesting. It, it, are those like kind of an A2 front? Is that a front sight kind of a thing? Is that what that is? I can't yeah, really see that. Scalar Works fixed sights. Um, the rifles used to all come with them, but about that? people didn't like them. Um, That's pretty cool. We went away from that. But yeah, those are. Uh, Let's scale works fixed sights on that. That so that guy. I, I don't know if you how much um, you know about like barrel twist and stuff and that what that mm -hmm. does on a rifle. So mm -hmm. That's actually a seven and a half inch barrel, um, and it shoots at a one and five twist. Um, so it's super fast on a super fast twist. Yeah, so like twist rate matters 
it stabilizes heavier bullets, but like, so 300 blackouts designed to be shot subsonic out of a short barrel. Um, and so you, if you, the faster you spin it, the more energy you have on target. Cause like when a, yep. a bullet hits a target, it has to stop two ways. That's stop going forward and it has to stop spinning. Um, you can only control the forward, um, to so much with a short barrel rifle. Um, and so how do you get more energy on target? You spin it faster. Um, spin it too fast, it'll mushroom too soon, and so on and so forth. So one in five on a 300 blackout is like the perfect twist rate on a short barrel. On a short barrel, yeah. Um, I can't remember who it was. It was This is years and years ago. And I think I was I was talking with someone at Faxon when they were doing the, they were big into the 300 blackout barrels back in the day. Mm-hmm. It's like 2019, maybe 2018, 2019. And they were saying that through their testing, the optimal barrel length is like 10.2. For a 300 blackout? Yeah, for a 300 blackout. Um, and I don't know why, maybe with their twists and all that, twist rates and all that. But, um, yeah, it was interesting because I've always seen them a little bit shorter than 10 inches, like that 7 to 9 inches. And they always sell the optimal, maybe ballistically, the optimal barrel length is 10.2. But um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you guys, what, what do you think about the science of the, the a 10-inch barrel versus a 7-inch barrel or 7.5-inch? You're, you're getting a whole lot more muzzle velocity. Um, and yeah. I, from I think you're still spinning it at a 1 in 7, though, um, yeah. out of a 10-inch barrel. So 10-inch barrels I for a 300 blackout, anything shorter than that I think is like, 10 and under is like 300 blackout range Anything oh, yeah. longer than that. I don't think makes any sense for that round. No. Um, and so I, I think you're just like it at a 10 inch barrel, you're getting, it's probably the max velocity you should be getting out of a rifle. Uh, but here's the thing, like so many people are going to shoot subsonic. So they don't necessarily like want maximum energy out of the barrel. You know what I'm saying? Like they don't want maximum velocity because they're going to be shooting. I mean, a lot of the people that I know that shoot 300 blackout religiously are all going, you know, subsonic suppressed, you know, that hog hunting or whatever. So yeah, whatever. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that the seven and as if the end seven and a half, we're going to release it in the three or the, our 10, three and our shorty dock. Yeah. Uh, Okay. At some point, but that's the only 300 blackout we even offer right now, just because that's the way it's supposed to. So the shorty dock right now is the uh, the five five six. Oh, you got the quad rail on there. Yeah. So we nice got the good nostalgia in there. Um, so we have the quad rail. We also have one in M lock as well. Um, I, I, I'm a quad rail. I, I'm a fan of quad rail. Quad rails. I so I, the ones I run, I, all quad rails. Um, like for any of the trainings and stuff, just because like I, my hands fit right in a quad rail, um, and just all the room for activities. Um, putting this out there, we do have a question for uh, Sykes out there. He says, uh, you "Guys are selling SBRs. Do you guys help in any way with the uh, the paperwork to get the uh, the tax stamp?" We don't help with the paperwork part of it, so we sell it, send it off to your local FFL. And it, it helps, local it helps FFL. it there. It takes care of all that stuff. And I we haven't met an FFL yet that I didn't think was qualified to answer any questions. And most people can do fingerprints and photos in-house nowadays. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we, um, we don't sell anything. Like, so you can buy it straight from the website. But if when you buy it on the website, it goes to – we have to ship it, ship it off. They're, they're going to ask you what your FFL that you wanted to send it to. 
Yeah, so the shorty mm -hmm. doc we actually just released. Um, the shorty doc is uh, we a lot of our law enforcement guys um, are running those guys. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of been well, their it's, favorite. It's sharp. I love that. No, and it's and it's built to be functional. So it, things you'll notice on these rifles, they have ambi charging, ambi safety selectors, and then we have an ambi bolt release. Um, there is not an ambi bolt catch because um, there's so many like, moving parts to it. it. They're built to be tactical rifles. Like, so we build our rifles that, with the end user in mind of military and law enforcement. Yeah. Um, and then we also don't do mag releases for a very, very important reason. Of I've seen so many guys running in kit and drop mags out of an, with an ambi mag release. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And that's why I, I get that question all the time. They're like, well, this is a $2,000 rifle. It should be amb full ambi. It's like, yeah, but you don't actually need full ambi. Like I'd, it, it's also detrimental to like what the purpose of it is. If you're going to run it, run it slung with a kit, there's a lot of things. Um, real quick, uh, G23, he knows, unfortunately, like for Super Chats, I tell everyone, I will read what you put on there. So I will literally be a Ron Burgundy, and he knows that I hate 40 Smith. So every time it's he, he, $20 Super Chat, he says, 40 Smith and King is king, and let's remember the men and women who are downrange and won't be home with their families. Absolutely. And I don't, I don't, um, I don't feel bad for saying 40 Smith is, is, is king in that scenario, although it is a lie. But uh, thank you. Thank you, G23. I appreciate you very much. Um, yeah. Reversible um, mag release. I think he just went over that mandatory carry. Um, not going to be an ambi mag release. Uh, Sykes says, how does the rifle compare to the <laughs> Daniel Defense Mark 18? I knew this was going to come. I, you know, it, I, is what it, is. I, yeah. I, it is what it is. NRA 2023. I I had a guy verbally assault me about Daniel defense <laughs> rifles. I it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. So one yeah. thing I will tell you, I I I, I hate doing comparisons, um, but I will answer that question because I love answering it. Sure, um, go for it. So. What we do with our uh, buffer system is we utilize it's a it's flat wire spring technology. It's a little bit different. So compared to a carbine spring, like a regular carbine spring that starts to wear out after about six thousand rounds, our mm. springs get about half a million rounds before they start to lose their springiness. Um, it also increases your forward pressure of the bolt of the bolt carrier group by about thirty percent. Um, and so what that's doing is pushing that bolt carrier group through all that dirt when it's going in there. Our bolt carrier groups also have near zero friction to them. Um, that on top of the, the, the coating that we use, which is a Cerakote E-Series, um, has near zero friction to it. So inside that upper receiver, you have near zero friction. And these bolt carrier groups are a precision ground to an exact tolerance. So every single one is going to have the skids are going to have a, um, an even pressure throughout the entire time. Um, so like I said, so what that's going to be doing is going to be giving more forward pressure, pushing through dirt, but dirt has a harder time, uh, uh, connecting to the inside of the bar, connecting to the bolt carrier group and the upper receiver. So you're going to have less dirt inside your system. Um, and then with the precision ground or not precision ground, the thermal fit, um, you're going to have a more accurate rifle. So we're getting sub MOA accuracy out of our 10, three rifles. Our, our shorties so that's not a comparison but try getting all those things out of your daniel defense mark 18. i i think that 
the, the how do I put this? I have nothing against Daniel Defense. I think they're fine weapon systems. I think where they are at this point is they have created this facade that because they have been one of the few companies that are generally acceptable to spend high dollar amounts, that that just means that they are just better than everything that's out there. And it's, the grass is not always greener on the other side. We'll just put it that way. Yeah. Uh, uh, I will also say our rifles are uh, designed um, and built by people who have used rifles for a job. Uh, that's correct, yes. I, so Daniel Defense was probably top of the line. Um, and it's still a phenomenal the, weapon system. It, great, it, it, it's oh, great. Right. Yeah. yeah, if you're going to, I mean, I, I still would, if you had a, an option between a Daniel Defense or something, I would still grab a Daniel Defense. I would grab a Mitchell Defense before I grab a Daniel Defense, but um, <laughs> still great rifles. I mean, they're in some of the stuff they do. Well, I mean, it, it, they do a great job of building a consistently great, a good rifle. Yeah, no, and, and, and what they do, they do well. Okay, let's just yeah. be honest. Um, but I think that everyone hears the name Daniel Defense and think that they're at the top of this, the, the tip of the spear. And, and and to be honest with you, you can go spend eight, nine, ten thousand dollars for ARs. Um, you know that that twenty five to hundred to three thousand dollar AR, you know, ten years ago was oh my gosh, that's a top. No, there's there's a whole another tier out there that are really exotic ARs. But like the deal of defense is not a tip of the spear. They're very very good. They're very very consistently good. But uh, they are not the only ones out there that are able to do what, what they do. So, yeah, uh, Sykes says, so I need to table the Daniel Offense and get one of these 100%. That's exactly what he's saying. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think he just said that Daniel Offense is, is something that if he didn't have a Mitchell, um, he'd probably be able to go grab a Daniel Offense and be very happy with it. So I don't think anyone's saying anything bad about Daniel Offense. Uh, the difference is, is uh, what you're hearing about are some of the materials and some of the coatings and some of uh, the designs uh, of, of these rifle systems, um, like Nathan said, from someone that's actually had to use one, um, and so you're talking of, you're talking about a design that's more functional, uh, and, and maybe for someone that's going to be doing law enforcement, military people like to do CQB, people like to train, people that maybe shoot three gun. These are the kind of people that are probably going to be looking get at, at these weapon systems. But, you know, also keep in mind that when you have someone like Nathan and his guys that are designing these rifles and, and these weapon systems with a specific task or specific background in mind, um, that's a tried and true background. They, he knows exactly what's going to work and what's not going to work under stressful situations, under different weather conditions. Uh, you don't know how bad a rifle can get until you get some of sand in it. And I don't care how expensive your rifle system is. If you get sand in it, uh, all bets are off. And, and what you think might run great won't. And what you think is a piece of trash might run phenomenal when it gets dirty and, and you have to be able to understand whether it's coatings or lubrications or whatever, you've got to make sure that you understand guys that you need to trust someone that's been there and done that has been in the sandbox and knows what weapon systems are going to run 
um, with those scenarios. So no one's ever saying anything about Daniel Defense or anything bad or anything like that. All we're trying to do here is bring Nathan on. He's got a phenomenal little company that's going on. Uh, I've been hearing about for a while, and then some friends of mine, uh, Todd over at, at, at Valiant, and then obviously Ron over at Riker are, are good. Are, Ron's a, a brother of mine that he's one of my dearest friends. And I keep hearing about Mitchell Defense. I said, I know that name from somewhere. Like, why do I know that name? And so I sent a text to Ron. I was like, why do I know Mitchell Defense? He says, dude, I got to introduce you to Nathan and all that. So uh, we brought Nathan on. And so we, we talked about the Doc series um, a little bit. Obviously, it comes with the 16-inch. Um, you've got the SBR series. Um, and then the SOIDC Doc comes with a carbon fiber barrel. Um that's the uh, top where right. Is that one. Top oh, right. here it is. Yeah, here we go. Three thousand dollar one. Um, so let's talk about this real quick. Yeah. So what's interesting about this? So like, and on the dock line, everything behind the barrel nut. So your lower receiver, upper receiver, every, it's all the exact same. The only thing that's different, okay. pretty much all of them, is the forward part, which is your handguard and your um, different lengths of handguard, and then your barrel materials. Um, we actually just had a guy um, who ran this. Um, an independent test. Um, he's supposed to be putting an article out at some point in time. So he ran it to 17,554 rounds without cleaning or lube and had zero failure. Holy cow. Um, and that's like where like you start talking about stuff. It's like, all right, some of these, like it, the coatings and that's, and that's like where all this shines, like your, your buffer system, your coatings, your bolt carrier, groups, the, buffer, the, the barrel, the barrel, um, oh, yeah. without cleaning it. I mean, how the rifling inside the barrel holding up for that long is with the heat, the pressure going through that barrel without being clean is that's impressive. 17,000 rounds. Oh yeah. No, that's, he called me. He had, he only had it for like six months and he called me like, Hey man, I had a failure. I was like, Oh no. Like how many rounds did you put through it? And he's like 17,554. I was like, wait, what? Okay. Go clean it. Like, I, yeah, that sounds like it worked. Uh, I so. want to know who his ammo hookup is or does he reload? Yeah. Uh, he owns a pretty prominent gun. Okay. Writer company. Cause you're, yeah. you're uh my God, 17,000 rounds in six months. That's a lot of trigger time, which is awesome. Oh yeah. I, yeah, he, so like my standard is testing him out to 10,000. So it's really cool to see someone run it past that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's like accuracy, durability, and reliability are built into every one of the rifles. And so you, you, yeah. you don't have to compromise on accuracy uh, to get durability and reliability. Um, anyone who tells you differently is wrong. But yeah, so this well, is, with, with the average AR companies, you're, you're going to get rid of one of those three. I mean, let's just be honest. Oh yeah, you are. And I, I think every, uh, or most companies will sacrifice one of those, um, mm -hmm. for whatever reason. Um, sure. and every weapon system is built for a specific purpose. It's they, and that's where you can, it's, it's a hard argument. But yeah, so yeah. this one right here is the SOIDC. I mean, this thing, this is a true half MOA. We had a guy recently shoot 0.3 MOA, um, out of this. Wow. wow. Um, stupid accurate um these this rifle is designed more for like your um competition shooters um i would mm -hmm. never say take this thing into like combat um for yeah i mean there's 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 reasons you would it, still you would like yeah. there this that's kind of who this is designed for yeah that's, carbon fiber uh, is pretty neat technology especially with barrel materials yeah, I, I I got into the PRS game a couple years ago, and um, 
it's so funny that the carbon fiber barrel thing is it's a big deal in long range precision shooting now it's not just for the weight but for the durability the stability um but yeah uh, who would have thought that carbon fiber barrels you know 10 years ago would would take over almost you know oh yeah no it's like and, and it's not really all about it's like so the accuracy of like the stainless steel barrel i mean that's you can cut the rifling just like near perfect on that but yeah. with the carbon fiber like the thing that you're getting is repeatable accuracy and that's oh, like yeah. that, and it's like if you need repeatable accuracy that's the barrel material to go with because that stays stiffer over longer periods of time uh, before we move on to uh, one of the different models, uh, G23 out there, is he going to build, he's obviously an AK guy, which is great. I love AKs too, but are you going to build an AK and not a bastardized AK? I'm not uh, going to build an AK. There you go. Uh, I, uh, that, that is funny that I do get that question quite a bit, but uh, Kalishnikov did a great job when he designed the <laughs> rifle. Uh, yep. Uh, you can go buy them from uh, century and buy all the AKs that you want. And uh, I love an AK. I, I, I tell people all the time uh, shooting an AK, especially full auto over the three round burst um, M16 A2, which is what I ran. We were, I was prior to the M4. That's how old I am, Nathan, by the way. Um, but the full auto AK, I love shooting more than the 16. Um, now that said, I love the three round burst of, of the 16 a two. I think a three round burst was one of the best decisions they ever went with because talking about a, a, a controlled fire group, uh, it, it's really, I love a three round burst, but if you've never shot a true AK in full auto, people that that needs to be a bucket list it's one of the most fun things you'll ever do is shooting a full auto ak so that needs to be on someone's uh, bucket list for sure oh yeah shooting um, full auto AKs is just fun i mean there's there's something primal about it i don't know what it is there is yeah it is uh sykes says i caught the ass into the seventeen thousand rounds what parts of any needed changing after that uh basically just need to be cleaned basically yeah. Yeah, and we so we do have and the gas rings are probably the one thing that, I mean, I would think would would wear out fast. But we do a um, we put a different coating on our gas rings. It's not just raw, raw metal. Mm -hmm. um, so our gas rings last about like three or four times longer than like the standard ones do. Um, yeah. So I, I from my knowledge, which I haven't gotten to talk to him too much in depth about it, um, he didn't change out any parts. Just kind of wiped it down, cleaned it a little bit, and he's been running it ever since. That's awesome. Uh, do you want to go with the pipe hitter or the uh, the rat dog? Do the rat dog. Do the rat dog. Rat this is this is one that I get excited about that I've been looking at. Um, let's kind of go over some of the specs before we start talking a little bit about the each individual model, but the overall specs. Uh, solid piece BCG. Um, yeah, dedicated PCC upper, which is nice. It's not like you're just throwing a nine millimeter barrel into an AR, which some companies are doing. It's a whole different upper, you know. Oh yeah, it's there's no forward assist or any of that kind of stuff on it either. So well, and, and, and not, not just that, but we're talking about people don't understand it. A PCC buffer, buffer spring, and all of that. Um, it's 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 if if you try to run a nine millimeter with your two two three buffer and buffer spring bad things might happen 
Oh no, bad uh, things will happen. I, I I had a meeting <laughs> um, Monday actually. We had a, one of the ranges uh, called up and said, "Hey," and had the ammo company on the phone too and said, "Hey, we need to talk." Like we this 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 gun or uh, round like like blew up and got shrapnel in my hand. Um, yeah. And I was like, "All right, let's look at it." And I, the first thing I did is open it up and it had a carbine buffer spring and a carbine buffer in it. And I was like, "That's your problem." Yeah. Yep. That's uh, that's just the way it is. People, you know, hey, I I, I love PCCs, I uh, love know. them, um, but yeah, they're they're a different animal. So let's uh, let's look at yeah, uh, yeah, the slick rat. You got uh, the street legal rat, the tactical rat. Uh, I love it. I love it. First of all, who names them? <laughs> so. Uh, the, the rat dog was one. So we, we got the doc. That was easy. Cause that's like our bread sure. and butter. I mean, that's sure. the background. So the rat dogs, one of my buddies who's, who's, who's Sark, um, he, his nickname was the rat dog. Um, <laughs> and he got the rat dog because it didn't matter how much, like how much you're in the suck. Like he just thrived. Like it seemed like the worse it got, the better he got it. Like it, like just yeah. loving it. Um, and we were talking one day, this is actually the same guy with drop kicked me out of the, um, at, at airborne um we were just talking one day and i was just, he was like you can call it the rat dog if you want and i was like i mean i'm not gonna I call it a rat dog that. but and i was like like and i started thinking about it i was like why all right why did we give you that name or why did you get that name and he told us and then i um uh and it just kind of clicked to me i'm like this describes this weapon system perfectly being a direct blowback system all that dirt and debris is getting back inside that uh that that upper and yeah. with most pccs I actually don't know of any that but I've never, I haven't ran a test on a whole lot of them. Um, like about a thousand rounds in, you start to get like problems with them because they get so dirty. Um, I mean, we ran this thing suppressed at CanCon for four thousand rounds and didn't have one issue to it. Um, I love, I love the MP5 style handguard. I'm a big MP5 guy. Uh, probably my favorite weapon system ever. Uh, but just the anyone that even anyone that tries to pay homage to the MP5 in any way possible, I'm a fan of. So yeah, good job. <laughs> I, I love that handguard too. So that's like, that's the way I like to run it. Cause like I, yeah. I it's a PCC, I'm not going to run it all kitted out. Um, yeah. But with the, the, like the angles that are on the top of the handguard, um, it's at a 45 degree angle. So like you can lay your thumb perfectly on that. And so when yeah. you're driving out, you're really, it's like almost like a pistol when you're driving out, it's the yeah, same you're thing. Right you're driving yeah. to a certain point. Um, I love that. I, don't know. I, I have fun running that. And then we throw the tri lug on it, um, which is the, preferred, oh, yeah. you know, the only way you should, Run a PCCs with the trilog. Uh, let's go over to same thing with the buffer system on these guys. Um, we have our proprietary springs that are in there, um, along with like the our nine mil buffers in there. Um, these things just are these things just keep taking away. Uh, if you don't know what a trilog is, uh, tri good. so. One thing that the AR market needs in the 5.56 is a universal mount for a suppressor, but that's what Trilug is. So the HK3 lug um, is what came on the MP5s, um, and they every suppressor company that makes a 9mm suppressor has a an adapter for a Trilug. And all it does is just goes on there, you click it, and it snaps in there, you're good to go. And so you can have multiple different types of suppressors with one muzzle device. Absolutely. Um. Let's see here. You got the slick. You got the street legal. This is more of uh, looks like to me more of like the uh, sixteen inch um, PCC. Yeah. Yeah. 
Here we go. Um, a lot of USPSA, right? US, USPSA. I would imagine USPSA. Yeah. I would imagine a lot of three gun guys maybe do that, but uh, USPSA, maybe even IDPA that uh, are running the the PCC divisions now, uh, for sure. I got a couple of buddies that run the PCC divisions, and uh, yeah, that's that's a that's a pretty good looking one right there. What's your favorite? Do you have a favorite of the PCC line? Oh, the, the PCC, the tactical, or so I like the I I like to shoot the. Um, the slick rat dog, but like the yeah. tactical rat dog is my favorite. Um, and yeah, it's probably looks... the most popular one. Yeah. That's so pretty badass. I, I, it just, it looks cool. Um, it does. Yeah. No, that thing is, and they're fun. So, and we also have like the, I don't know if you guys know the American, uh, American trigger, American, American something trigger something company. I can't remember. Uh, what now? It's like the AR, it's called the AR Gold Trigger. Uh, I think it's called American okay. Trigger is the name of the company. Um, that, but it flat, has an, that flat trigger, yeah. That flat trigger, and they also they make it curved, but it has an insanely short reset to it. Um, nice. And it's and the there's a couple of things like on a PCC that you should always look for in your PCCs. Um, so the trigger needs to be um, designed for a PCC because you will yes. snap at trigger pins. Um, I, that is correct. There are some popular PCCs out there that use Geisley triggers. Uh, Geisley specifically says on their website and in their manual, so this voids your warranty on your trigger if you use this. Um, so yeah. just pay attention to what triggers in your, your guns. Um, and then like the bolt carrier group, um, all that stuff and being solid piece. Like there's a lot of, it's, it's hard to break these things and PCCs will break things quickly. Yeah, I on on not all. Uh, I would say all but one actually that I can think. Of. I'm looking at several over on the wall, but I think all but one. I, I usually run my PCs. I usually run um, CMC triggers. They're they're a Texas company, uh -huh. and they they actually have a trigger specifically for. It's called a PCC trigger, or I'm not sure what it's called now, but originally it was called a PCC trigger. And uh, so, yeah, that was the one. That's the one thing that people don't. Once again, buffer tubes, buffer springs, buffer systems, and triggers—they are not necessarily go from an AR-15 to a PCC and work okay. So uh, I like the fact that y'all are, and, and I love the flat trigger because the great thing about the flat trigger uh, is one they're phenomenal. Uh, I love them, but you, if if you like the curved. They have a little boot that you can, I don't know what this company does, but you can find on a lot of companies will also have the little boot that has just a little bit of curve in it that you, if you like the curve side of it, but when they, when it get the operations and the, uh, the, the, the good stuff of the flat trigger as well. Um, I, I don't know what company, I can't remember what company said this was, but I probably yeah, haven't. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So I'll have yeah, a look at well, that, but uh, that's uh, a, yeah. that's good looking. That's a really, really, really good looking PCC right there. What's the, uh, What's, what's the barrel length on that? Is that like a five? Eight, three. Oh, eight, three. It looks shorter than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so I, like you, I, I wouldn't get any shorter than that because you start losing hand space. Um, yeah. And that's what I didn't. That's why we stuck with eight, three and we didn't go any shorter than that. Yeah. The, the shortest one I've got is a five and a half. And, and I love only, it for what it is. The, but. the pipe hitters and the docks all come with uh, curved Geisley SSA triggers. Okay. Um, this is the only one that comes with the flat trigger just because like I, we, we ran the flat triggers at a bunch of events and people just loved them more. Yeah. Um, and th these guys, we're having a difficult time getting this into a law enforcement market. Really? Uh, 
Yeah, and so and this is also the only single stage trigger that we offer um, is in these. I'm surprised that you're having tough times getting in the law enforcement. I, I, this is exactly what I would want in the law enforcement realm. Nine mils just have a bad rep, and I love them, but yet they rock them. them in their pistols. Yeah, and I, I love taking them. Glock mags. I mean, most guys, most police officers are running Glock 45s, um, mm -hmm. and so you have being able to transfer out your magazines from one your your rifle to your pistol. Like, I don't know why you wouldn't want that. Um, you don't have like so. I mean, over penetration, kind of. I mean, nine mils will go through more layers of sheetrock than a five five six will. Um, but nine mil will also stop in a body more than what a five five six will. Correct. Um, especially ammo. And so, like, I mean, I, we're we're talking to like some like like resource officers at schools trying to talk them into it. Some SWAT teams. Um, yeah, it's it's been it's been a harder sell than I was expecting. Have you guys in your testing? I'm sure you have. What about some defensive ammo? Uh, you guys run it through mm -hmm. this. How's it how's it run with defensive ammo? It runs great. So one thing that we had to do with the barrels, um, with the feed lip in there, uh, which is very different than like your standard AR-15 feed lips, um, we had to expand it out a little bit to uh, feed home defense ammo more reliable. So that I mean, that was I mean, okay. you start thinking about these things and you start thinking about ARs. I mean, we want home defense, um, and that that was something that it was like a requirement. I didn't want to do a PCC. Um, it was actually the last thing on my list. Really it, interesting. Yeah, it was, it was just one of those things. It was like, like you, it's, it's extremely difficult to make a reliable PCC and most companies don't do it the right way. Um, and it was just something that, and then it, I kind of started playing with it like here and there trying to like find different ways of doing stuff and some little things. And I, once I shot this thing for the first time, like doing testing, it brought a smile to my face and I was like, okay, I got it. This is it. Yeah. Uh, uh, Sykes other says, I'm going to make them spend money if I keep showing. Well, we haven't even finished. We, the the rat dog is my favorite, but the next thing that I want to show my next favorite, I love a good AR. Don't get me wrong, but I am a, a big fan of the pipe pitter, and this is just a bad bad bitch right here. Um, These things. Let's are, talk uh, about the pipe pitter, man. You got three hundred eight six five, and and I'm glad to see you have the eight six block. Um, I so, um, what's that? I fell in love with that cartridge. It's a great one, isn't it? It, it, it is. So when, I, when it comes to like actually innovative stuff in this industry, there's not a whole lot of it. When this first came out and I started reading about it and like reading the thought processes and stuff, it, I was just like completely mind blown. I was like, this is what we needed. Like, yep. I don't have a whole lot of use cases except for bear hunting and hunting in, 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 in Africa. But like the way that they designed this round and the thought process behind it is just super unique to me. Um, it's just a cool round too. It is. It is. It's, it's, it's a really cool, ballistically a really cool performing round. Um, and, 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 and there is a, a, a couple niches that specifically, but it can do whatever you want it to be. You can patrol with this. You can patrol with this and, and be great with it. Um, yeah all sorts of, i mean yeah it's it's a great it's a great uh cartridge uh so let's talk about the pipe pitter and i've got i've got the 86 up um it, are there any mo is there differences between the 308 and the 65 and the 86 as far as um uh, specs do you need to go through all three of them or do you just keep this one on the picture or what 
Same thing with the pipe hitter line. Everything from the barrel nut back is the exact same. The only thing that's different is the, uh, the barrel and the handguard with all these. Right. Um, the the use cases are extremely different, though. So, like your three. Yeah, absolutely, so, yeah. Like this is a carbon fiber twenty inch barrel. Um, we have our eighteen inch barrels in stainless steel, um, a fourteen five and a twelve inch three hundred eight coming out, um, and then the six five Creedmoor. We're going to have a, an eighteen inch stainless steel as well as the carbon fiber. Um, I just those haven't been released yet. Yeah, in the works. Um, no, so the 308, I mean, these are your big boy cartridges, your AR-10 platform. Yep. Um, I mean, these things are absolute tack drivers. You take that thermal fitting, um, the, the, the rounds that are precision rounds, um, and you can just reach out and touch stuff. This is. Yeah, that's that that's gorgeous right there. I, I love mm -hmm. that. This is it's, um, it's funny going over to these, though, and doing testing because they're just, I mean, they're it's a bigger cartridge. And so there's just a lot more, it's louder and it's just, Oh yeah. That was interesting. But, um, I mean, the stain meticulous attention to detail goes into these guys, um, that you see in all the, the dock and the, the PCC. Yeah. Um, let's go over to the six, five real quick. And then we'll go over to the, uh, eight, six SBR, which is a cool looking one, but mm -hmm. here it's basically the same rifle. It's just a uh, six, five Creed. Yep. And yeah, this is going to be more of a competition uh, pubs probably. Yeah. Competition, long range shooting. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a couple of uh, like marksman units and stuff that are interested in like carbon fiber. I mean, it makes sense in the, um, the dock line, the five, five, six, but it makes mm -hmm. more sense in this. I mean, these are true precision yep. rifles. Absolutely. Um, which is actually interesting is I've sold more precision rifles in our 12 inch 308 than I have in the 20 inch carbon fiber. Um, really? Yeah. We, so I, I was very against doing a short barrel 308. Um, and we had a department that wanted a 12 inch 308 for shooting out of helicopters. And I was like, yeah. cool, I'll do it. Yeah. Um, That's interesting. Mm hmm. So this is the proper way to run the eight, six blackout. Um, in a 12 inch barrel, uh, this looks this is just sexy as hell. I'm not entirely sure, um, who knows about the 86 blackout, but it's the, it's the big brother to the three or the 300 blackout. Same mm -hmm. concept, a 338 projectile out of a neck down 308 cartridge. Um, it's a one in three twist in the barrel, so I mean, the things are spinning super fast, super expensive ammo. Even my oh, test okay. ammo is three dollars right now. Oh, wow, really. Yeah, yeah. You're you're you know you're looking at that four to five dollars around like you are three three eight Lapua and all of that. That's just the way it's going to be. But and maybe so these are maybe you guys I'll get get this. It might give you a reason to start reloading. Just saying. Yeah. All right. Here you go. Um, and so these guys are designed to be shot out of a short barrel rifle suppressed um, and with subsonic ammo. Uh, mm. Proving grounds for this was in Africa. I mean, they're dropping wildebeest in one round. Um, if you really. Ever, if you, I mean, if you ever get a chance to look at the gel test on these guys, uh, eight six blackout, the um, the cavitation is just absolutely massive because that round is spinning so fast, and that's such a heavy bullet. When it hits, it just, just like it just. Oh yeah. And we're so we're doing a couple of tests down in uh, Alaska with these for bear rifles for like bear protection because like a oh, lot yeah. of those guys carry bolt rifles, um, and so we're one of the tests we're going to be doing. I don't honestly I have no idea where we're going to do it, but we're going to get like a sled going downhill with the uh, ballistic gel in it. 
And we're going to yep. see how many times we can hit it with these going down a hill versus a bolt rifle going down a hill. Um, well, I mean, even, so even a very skilled bolt, a guy that can run a bolt fast, you're not going to be able to uh, mess with a good gas gun. Um, no. And like when the way we design these things and the way the parts and everything work, the rifles are designed to shoot extremely flat. Um, and that's extremely important for faster follow-up shots. Yeah. Um, and so whenever you shoot it, your optic stays on target the entire time. So you can, that second round is going to go, not going to go up in the air versus going, it's going to go towards mm -hmm. your enemy. Or yeah, Sykes whatever. is saying the 12 inch three away would be a badass for CQB. Yeah, <laughs> it would. Um, I don't know if you want a 308 inside of a house though. Uh, that could be, that could be about that. yeah, that could be brutal. Uh, talking about some eardrums being blasted up. Um, man, I, I didn't realize we'd gone an hour and a half. Holy cow. Um, we, do we want anything else you want to look at real quick that you want to talk about before we start kind of letting people know where they can find you and all that stuff? Yeah. I mean, I, we, so one thing that I, I, the big push for the year is we're trying to build up the dealer network. Um, okay. In order to build out a dealer network, you really need uh, the customers that drive that innovation. Um, dealers won't pick up products that aren't being requested in their dealers. Um, we, I see it all the time. People will go and look for a dealer near them. Um, and they're like, oh, I can't find anywhere near me. Like, just go in and ask them for it. Um, yeah. They, they can contact us. We have a great dealer program. Um, that's kind of one thing like I know it's so funny. We were talking before we went live and all that a shot come up in the next month and you realized uh, you guys have been so busy the last, you know, short while that you, you didn't realize until it was almost too late that you almost didn't have rifles to take the shot show because people have been buying. That's a good problem to have, I guess, huh? I know it is. I mean, it, it's slow as the, uh, the industry has been just super slow. I know we were talking about this before, but like during yeah. the summer, um and like and then now i have like no inventory i've got a bunch of rat dogs so if anybody wants a rat dog they're ready to ship ready to go um get me a rat dog for sure yeah I love those the, things and so like the docs that we, I mean, we had a run on them last week i'm completely i think i have like one i think one left um really mm -hmm. which i that's and that's like i'm looking at that it's just like all right well production wise like am i gonna have any more coming in um it's <laughs> which been your which been your i mean obviously the doc i guess is the best seller um is uh, that probably or is the pipe hitter doing pretty good too or uh so the well the pipe hitter is just expensive so we don't really actually see a whole like right and that's where we're getting into mm -hmm. like some of the cheaper ones with like the stainless steel barrels and stuff yeah um, not having the carbon fiber uh the we, we sold a bunch of the docks 70 percent of my market is law enforcement and government organizations yeah um, and that's who they're buying all of those things um civilian wise it's probably half and half the dock and rat dog um okay and we, and we actually have one of our dealers that's local that has a rat dog on um, at their uh, rental fleet, and they have oh, nice. a bunch of the rat dogs. I bet they have, yeah. That's actually a great idea if you do one of the rentals and people actually get their hands on and shoot it. That's a mm -hmm. great that's a great way to push some product right there. Um, so where can people, obviously, MitchellDefense.com, uh, the links will be in the description here after the show and all of that. Um, you can reach them on social media. you got Facebook, Instagram, YouTube channels. Um, anything else, um, if they have any questions, where can they, can they just send you guys? Uh, uh, is there an email that they need to find? 
if they have any questions about the products or what, where can they find those answers? Yep. So you can reach out on our social media. It's just Mitchell. I think it's Mitchell underscore underscore defense um, on uh, Instagram. Um, send a DM uh, or something. It just sends a DM. Um, you support at MitchellDefense.com. Um, you can also do the contact us. I answer most of those questions. So, um, <laughs> I, life grand. <laughs> well, I mean, like, so customer service is kind of like one of the things that we are known for. Like if you send us a contact us, I'm probably going to call you. Like, I'm not going to just like set up sit for right. three days. I'm going to call you and be like, Hey, how can I answer your questions? Right. Um, yeah. and that's like, I, and I mean, we kind of rotate the phone somewhat i answer the phone most of the time too just because like i most people who are calling are looking for me anyway um yeah but so customer service is kind of like a top of the line thing i know like it, we're not like a some of the other companies where you get a 1-800 number and you can't actually talk to anyone who can answer your questions yeah um, that's kind of that's where i'm trying i like to do that to be different and forefront for us so reach out yeah i love talking absolutely to you. Yeah, um, and I know you got some stuff coming down the pipeline for next year. Like you said, you're working on some different materials with barrels. You're working with different, maybe some different designs and all that. Uh, I'll be seeing you next month for sure. It shot. Maybe looking forward to, to talking more about some of that stuff like that. But guys, if you're interested, uh, MitchellDefense.com. Like I said, they're all over the social medias as well. If you need to get a hold of them, support at MitchellDefense.com or just DM on their Instagram and uh nathan or someone on his team will get you there um real quick i i, I go through our, our pony polls we do polls every year and every week and if you have time for you to, for a few seconds we got three polls this week uh the first one uh, you're a little young you might remember but uh you're, you're younger than i am for sure but if you had to choose one knight rider or magnum pi oh knight rider now, is it because of the car? It's definitely because of the car. The technology. It awesome. It's, it's yeah. just a technology thing. Like, I, I drive a Tesla because I think they're cool. Like, the yeah. technology behind them. So, I, yeah. the, the idea of kit is just couldn't eat. <laughs> uh, Sykes says, what if someone doesn't like to talk on the phone and that is why they can contact a company online? Like I said, send them a DM. Um on Instagram and you know what if your phone rings after you send a DM and you don't want to answer it then don't answer it and um, talk to the DM my man I if, uh, if you don't answer the phone whenever I call I will send you an email so there you go there you go but that is a great uh, point I, people probably reach out on the, the online so they don't want to talk on the phone never thought about it that true way too. this yeah. is true too uh, 1.2 thousand votes these are our pony polls uh, brought to you by our good friends over at Anderson Manufacturing. 1.2 thousand votes. Magnum PI with 53% of the vote. 53%. Um, you know, you're, you're talking about two great cars. You got Kit and you had the Ferrari. So, which, you know, I don't right. know. It's, it's a yeah. tough one. It's a tough one. Uh, our next one, 1.4 thousand votes. Who's a better band, Zeppelin or the Stones? Are you a Zeppelin guy? Of those two, Zeppelin or Stones? That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Mm. I'm gonna go with Zeppelin. Yeah, I agree. I uh, of those two, I'm a Beatles guy, um, and it's kind of one of those. If you're a Beatles guy, you're, you you maybe respect the Stones, but you don't really like the Stones. Um, but Zeppelin, Zeppelin's on a whole another level in my eyes. Mm -hmm. So, uh, well, Jimmy Page, 
Robert Plant, ironically, uh, have you seen on YouTube when they got the Kennedy Center honors and Hart did Stairway to Heaven? You need to go look on YouTube sometime and just put Stairway to Heaven Hart with Mary Wilson. You're welcome. Okay. It's uh, like Robert Plant's crying during the performance. Like, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable to hear Hart. Mary Wilson singing Stairway. You're welcome. It's a yeah. It is a great song. Uh, 1.4,000 votes. 72% of the audience is correct that said Zeppelin. Zeppelin is the better band. Uh, and our last one, 1.5 thousand votes. Uh, we're talking rifle sights here. Um, we're going to say for like an AR, if you will, if you're going to put one on the dock, are you more of a holographic sight, like an EOTech or like an open reflex sight guy? Oh, holographic. Of the two. EOTech. Yeah. Um, there's scientific reasons for that, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, the great thing about the uh, EOTEX is if the front glass gets broken, you can still run that some bitch. So, uh, yeah, and you don't have as much in your eye fatigue. I, I don't think I know one person that runs an EOTEX that isn't faster. Oh, 100%. And, and, and you know what the funny thing is, is I have come to love the circle dot. And yeah. that's simply because of the EOTEX. Now I try to find uh, options that might have a circle dot reticle available and, and that's what i go to now um it is really my eye loves a circle dot now go figure go figure yeah. well and so uh, you know yeah. like the difference in between the two of what so like the the hollows versus like an um like an aim point or something or a, like a red dot oh yeah yeah go for it yeah so the uh like holographic sites the way your eye sees the like the the actual like uh, the reticle it sees it at the target, um, and with a regular red dot, like a like a thing with like Trigicon or something, off the mirror and all that. Yeah, well, yeah so your eye sees it at the optic, and so yeah. your your eyes constantly going back and forth at a regular red dot, but in a yeah. holographic sight, your eye is seeing yeah, it at the target. So, like yeah. long courses of fire, your eye your um your eyes aren't getting as stressed and as tired. Absolutely, you can pick it up faster. Yep. Faux show 1.5 thousand votes. 77 percent were correct that picked the holographic sites. So Woo. those are our pony polls. Go check out our good friends over AndersonManufacturing.com. Thanks for our buddy Kyle out there. Uh, not only is he a good friend, but he's a he's a, a marine as well. Um, he was just out there. He's saying uh, Kit. He 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 likes Kit um, for Night Rider. I get it. Chase, our buddy with EAAs out there. So what's up, YouTube's everybody? Which be better, burst or vortex for long range? Uh, so it's it's inside joke, uh, but yeah, our Chase is our buddy uh, over at EAA European American Armory. Uh, hey, shoot, shoot long range at fifty yards. That's uh, that's something. Um, there's um, yeah, uh, there's there's a creator that. I think just got his first rifle in the last month. And one of the first videos he put out there was shooting um, at, at 50 yards. And it's like, hmm. now I understand there are some people that are restricted by the ranges they have available to them. I understand that. Um, 50 yards. 
come on, man, go find someone's property. At least go out to, you know, two or 300, at least a hundred, right. To zero it, you know, yeah, uh, 200 yeah, at least, you know, long range of precision. I mean, you have to get out your bullets don't even really stabilize it, until exactly. Yeah. Uh, all right. All right. Uh, pony is Kyle, my buddy over Anderson. We are trying to grassroot system and get the pony express hashtag pony express 2024. Trying to get uh, Anderson to come up with a uh, a coach gun, a double barreled coach gun, um, called the Pony Express. But uh, yeah, cool. the actually owner of Anderson has actually heard of our hashtag. We've been putting all over social media. It started as a joke. Came into Kyle's office like, so explain me what the hell this Pony Express everyone's talking about. So come on, guys, get out there and keep getting Anderson. We want Anderson to make the Pony Express. Uh, Nathan, I want to uh, thank you for coming in. Obviously, we'll see you in, a, in about a month, almost to the day. Yeah. Well, it's the, the 20th. I land on the 20th, uh, which is uh, shots. Rains days Monday. I get there. We get there on Saturday, get kind of climatized, got some stuff to do on Sunday. I'm actually going to Hell's Kitchen Sunday night. First time in three years I've been able to get a reservation at the, at the, uh, at the restaurant. So we've been waiting oh, nice. a long time to do that. Yeah. So... Anyways, uh, thanks for coming on. Real quick, anything that we left out that you want to hit on? Uh, any f- closing thoughts or statements uh, for Mitchell Defense? Go for it. Yeah, I don't know. There's so many things we didn't hit on, but uh, <laughs> well, we're going to have you back on for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. no, for sure. Um, yeah, no, I just, I just didn't want to I, I didn't want to keep you on for a three hour podcast. I figured you're probably getting tired already. Yeah, I, you know? I, I can sit here for a three hour podcast and talk about anything. Um, no, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys at a shot show. We're, uh, we've got a few things coming out. Um, be releasing the bolt carrier group pretty soon. Um, maybe parting out our buffer system as well. Um, bunch of different things we're going to be giving out. So if you guys are at shot show or watch the channel, I'm sure you're going to have some of the stuff on there. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. We're, we'll come in and we'll, uh, we're going to do a, a booth video for you guys and, uh, awesome. and bring it to the audience and, and see what's, what's coming down the line. Are you going to be at range day? I am. Fantastic. Is a booth or are you just going to be there shooting, pulling triggers? No, we're going to be there. At the, we had a booth. We're doing a booth and we have a booth at SHOT Show down in the basement. I knew you got to be at SHOT, but I didn't know if you are going to be at range day. Yeah, no, we're going to be at range day. I'd All right, so we'll be there. Dealers and distributors this year, um, and that was kind of, kind of turned into a requirement. We also got a lot of yeah. uh, third-party or. Uh, foreign company or countries that are wanting to do demos that we can't, we're not flying out there to do them. So yeah. they're coming to the range day as well. Yeah. G23 keeps saying it didn't Tesla get recalled. I don't know. I don't drive. It did. It's a software update. Oh, so it's nothing. Yeah. We, nothing we, bad. They, they pushed a software update three days before they released it. That there was a recall. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, we'll definitely see you. Um, Definitely see you at range day. Obviously, it, it, it shot as well. Probably yeah. hook up. A uh, bunch of us are going to maybe try to go get some dinner uh, one night. And uh, I know I've, I'm waiting to see if Ron shows up. He's still trying to think about showing up. I know Todd's not going to be able to make it, but uh, Ron's trying to figure out um, if he's going to make it or not. I'm basically but, making um, Ron go. I mean, he needs to, right? Like I, I've already He already has a pass. I did. And, and he's going to have some of his stuff's going to be in your booth, right? Well, so I mean, I, he I, needs yeah, to go. Range day. It's like, man, like I'd go or throw your grips on all of our rifles at range day. I mean, like, Hey, this is a no brainer. You have to come. 
we've got we've got buddies that live over in that area i mean lodging's not gonna have to be cost you anything i told him it was about was it last week i, I told him and i talked to him about going he was like ah, you know uh, i'm busy uh, he doesn't like shot i get it i get it but bro like especially if you're going to have access to the range day with you guys being there it only makes sense uh for him he, to show yeah. up he's he, he's gonna show up i he doesn't yeah i'll call josh so anyways we'll uh we'll figure it out we'll figure it out we'll we'll go grab a bite maybe uh i know that we might uh might have to drag you to the marine party might have to drag you to the marine party probably know some of those guys so i'm down Let's do it. Uh, yeah. Anyways, guys, thank you so much for watching. Um, make sure you check out Mitchell Defense. We're going to have Nathan back on after SHOT Show and talk about some of the newer stuff coming down the line. Uh, we could have talked for hours and hours. We were both already really tired before this evening even started. It's been a, an interesting month. December usually is. But uh, thanks for watching, guys. If you're watching this in replay, especially most, we get most of the traffic through the podcast form. Um Hope you guys enjoy this podcast. We, like I said, we do in, invite you to come join the live, the live chat. We do appreciate all the podcast listeners out there. You guys are pretty awesome, and keep it going. Um, stay, get, get to the range, guys. Be more proficient with your firearms. Uh, stay in tune to all the two-way legislation, both local, state, federal. Make sure that your elected representatives are doing their jobs. And if not, guess what? Twenty twenty-four is an election year. We probably get them out and find some people that actually are going to have your your uh your same ideas and, and, and values if you will more importantly guys get out to the range enjoy your freedoms of being american one of which is to keep in bare arms we'll see you soon simplify well guys thank you so much for listening to this podcast if you like this one and want to check out some of our other podcasts we invite you to check out the Jarhead Podcast, the Ghost and Clover Podcast, and the Speed Limit 155 Podcast. We also like to invite you to check out our YouTube channel, Ghost Tactical, if you're into the firearm world and the lifestyle of, of the firearm community. Go check that out. And obviously, go check out our website, ghosttactical.us, to check out all of our projects, our swag, our stores, and our discount codes. Once again, thanks for always supporting the podcast, and we'll see you soon. Simplified.